Acts uh, chapter 2, verse 1 to 12. Verse 1 to 12. This will be our text for today. Even as we enter into a time of uh, learning with each other on the issue of tongues. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them and they were all filled with the holy spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the spirit gave them utterance now they were dwelling in jerusalem jews devout men from every nation under heaven and at this sound the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Pergia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya, belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in, the, in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others mocked, mocking them, said, they are filled with new wine. Uh, I would like to ask maybe someone to be just taking some of the notes so that they can just share on the group, you know, on the phone. Uh, doesn't have to be the whole script, but something so I can share with some of uh, the people in the group who have not been here. The church in this age and era unlike the puritans and the reformers is facing a unique attack that has reared its ugly head in every age of the of church history in each time there has been an attack on the church what we're seeing in this age is what uh, Dr. Conrad Mbewe, pastor of Kabwata Baptist Church, termed neo-Pentecostalism or neo-charismaticism, but he used neo-Pentecostalism, a new wave of Pentecostalism that has not been seen before. And one of the features of neo-Pentecostalism is that they emphasize speaking in tongues as a prerequisite for salvation. In fact, many charismatics would say that if you don't speak in tongues, 
you are not a Christian. You need to speak in tongues so that you may utter mysteries or you may tap into the realm of God. And when you observe some of the tongues, you see that they sound like a rhythmic or rhythmic, rhythmic repetition of words jumbled up and said very quickly. So I won't say that. If these words are all said at once, they sound like a million bees encircling a hive or a million pots being banged. But I want us to note something, a few things in the text that we've read to, uh, together to see whether what they call tongues is what is shown in the Bible. We note from Acts 2 that they were all together, which... Uh, is the apostles, the women, Jesus' relatives, and the 120 mentioned earlier in Acts chapter 1. We see that whilst they were together in the upper room, the, there was a power or something supernatural happened there was a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting the holy spirit descended with power this was an extraordinary event it was not just something that you see daily it was appointed that the holy spirit of god would descend upon the people as promised by Jesus in Acts chapter 1 that the spirit of God would come with power and would give them that power to go and preach the gospel <laughs> to the end of the earth so we see it is on this backdrop that they began to speak in other tongues now the word for tongues in the text is glossa or glossa, which definitely it just means languages. They began to speak in audible, discernible, understandable languages. So there is no argument or basis for uh, rhythmic, rhythmic, repet repetitive ch uh, chanting. They did not do that. In the early church. And we'll see as we go on. It's like going. Well, what we see here is like saying. Someone like Clive goes to Tokyo. Japan. And has never learned Japanese. In his life. But begins to speak that language. So that the natives. Are wowed. That is what tongues is. It's like people, there are people nowadays who say, well, you know, many of the open but cautious people say there are people who are gifted to go to the Amazon jungle. They've never learned the language, uh, the native language there, whether it's a Brazilian or whatever, but they can go there and start speaking that language. And I would say that's false. Because if they could, we would have said, go everywhere to the unreached people groups and preach the gospel. 
Why is it that when missionaries want to go and preach the gospel, they have to learn the language? They need to spend time researching. If really God gifted men and women that way today, we would have probably finished preaching the gospel. <coughs> We see here that they actually spoke in, in actual languages. There was no gibberish. There was no rattling. There was no repetition. There was nothing like that. As we see the text going on and divided tongues as fire appeared to them and rested in, on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues, those languages. And the Spirit gave them utterance he empowered them to speak but you see here there was a multitude of people now they were dwelling in jerusalem jews devout men from every nation under heaven so these people were gathered for pentecost pentecost was one of the three annual feasts in israel so they were gathered there for pentecost to celebrate and you could have imagined all people from across Asia Manor, they are here. Devout men under heaven. And at this sound, this wonderful, amazing sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered. They were scared. They were terrified. They were amazed. They were perplexed because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. So these were different people speaking in each other's languages. This is so amazing, isn't it? It is so amazing that symbolically we see that uh, at Pentecost, the tongues were a reversal of Babel in Genesis. Where in Genesis, God confused man linguistically because man arrogantly wanted to get to heaven. And now at Pentecost, God unified them linguistically to symbolize that heaven had come down to them. They were, uni they were unified in Christ alone. And hence they spoke one language. They spoke the, the language of the gospel. They, 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 they were one people. Basically, that's what it means that this, these were now one people in Christ but but I want you I want you to see something that is important there as well how the gospel is so powerful to transform uh in verse 7 and they were amazed and astonished saying are not all these who are speaking Galileans and I asked myself why are they so amazed at Galileans only to find out that the people of Galilee were were ignorant they were rude they were uncivilized nothing good could come out of nazareth that's why they said uh, nazareth was in the province of galilee so nothing good could come out of nazareth and uh, that's what they said of jesus and so these people who were barbaric who were uncivilized who were uh segregated could now speak in this language that perplexed 
or in several languages that perplexed the onlookers and hearers. Say, surely this must be the power of God. This was a miracle. What the gospel does, dear friends, is that though one can be in Malaysia or Philippines or can be in Germany, even though we don't speak the same language linguistically, if we are both Christians, we speak one language. We're unified by the same Christ, the same cross, and the same resurrection. And we identify with the way we identify with Christ. We are Christians. We even see that in the book of Acts. That was the only place where Christians are called Christians. Acts 11 verse 25. Then Barnabas went to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. This happened in the book of Acts. Now that we have identified and observed in the text that these were actual languages, conceivable, understandable, discernible, we will now explore the dangers of counterfeit tongues. The first thing that we must observe is that they resemble pagan demonic chants what may seem like christianity and what may seem noble actually isn't many pagan cultures have chanting that they do to conjure up spirits and they do they do it in a way that is undiscernible or it is not common language it is shrouded in mystery uh, the human mind actually thinks in a certain way that it's the only one that can speak to make things known to God. What am I saying? What I'm saying is that many people who say they speak in tongues or many people who say that they who do these chants, in their mind, they are thinking that they are speaking mysteries or tapping into... A, 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 an unreachable realm which is shrouded in mystery and only they can do it and no one else but sometimes they'll say no no let's invite everyone let's go let's go let's tap into this uh realm but i want you to to, to know something that if you chant repetitively something it will become a reality so this thing is more psychological and it's more, it's like, it's something that we conjure up in our brains. If you repeat something repetitively for a long time, it becomes reality to you. You start seeing things, you start speaking things that don't make sense. Start believing things that are not consistent with scriptural truths. And we know that all pagan religions are obsessed with tongues. 
For example, the shamans in Sudan or the Shango cult of West Coast of Africa, the Zoo cult of Ethiopia, and even the Voodoo cult in Haiti. I'm sure you've watched some of these movies or cartoons where they, 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 there's like a, a, an aeroplane that lands on the island of Haiti and everyone is dancing and you know they're busy doing their chants. Pagan religions do that. The aborigines and etc etc murmuring or speaking gibberish that is uh construed to be deep and mystical it's an ancient practice it's not new it's pagan so what the charismatics are doing is in fact they are emulating a lot of what they are doing is emulating voodoo practice pagan practice but secondly that one of the dangers is it's connected to this but i think we need to go deeper it's called uh glossolalia who has ever heard of this term glossolalia glossolalia it's a phenomenon sometimes referred to ecstatic ecstatic utterances it's uttering unintelligible language like sounds while in a state of ecstasy glossolalia can be observed it can be learned and that's the argument that john MacArthur makes in his book strange fire he says that there's this phenomenon called glossolalia that is there nowadays where people go into science the science of speaking tongues the art of speaking tongues let me teach you how to speak tongues there are classes to speak tongues you sit down and you're taught how to speak tongues uh, and, and you know and these you know we only see the tip of the iceberg because we see what's on tv and we see what's on media but we actually don't see what is in depth in some of these charismatic circles where people are actually abused or even taken to places or things that they uh do not want i remember one one brother i won't mention his name he said uh one time as he was church planting one of these guys said to him uh because they had no confession they had no structure the guy who was uh like one of the church leaders of where he was planting they said to him, let's go. We, we need to see someone who will teach us tongues. I've already set an appointment and paid. Dear friends, this is something that you learn. It's not supernatural. But if you learn it well enough, it will become what you want it to be. In other words, if you look for a lion, you'll find it. If you look for a bear in Arar, you'll find a bear. <laughs> if you search hard enough, you'll find it. And this phenomenon of glossolalia, even as, as I was doing my study, many charismatics say that they do not understand what they are saying when they are speaking in tongues. They're speaking from the heart and not the mind. 
So if you think about it, if they're speaking from the heart, and the Bible says that the heart is deceitful and wicked, who can understand it? We are to conclude that if they do not know what they're saying, then they're uttering all sorts of evils. <laughs> they, we need to, they need to keep quiet. They need to be silent. And the Bible itself condemns the very thing that the charismatics emphasize or teach. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says as he tackles this head on. It is in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verse 9 to 12. He says, So with yourselves, if, your t if, if, if with your tongue... You utter speech that is not intelligible. How will anyone know what is said? For you will be speaking to the air. That's what Paul is saying. There are doubtless many different languages in the world and none is without meaning. So Paul is thwarting gibberish. He's saying there's no such thing as gibberish. But he's also correcting their disorderly worship. But if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker. And the speaker, a foreigner to me. So with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestation of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Tongues did not edify the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 14, 23. If therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you're out of your minds? This is in the Bible. It's not me. This is what Paul is saying. He is con it's like Paul lives in 21st century Zimbabwe or Nigeria or America where this religious junk is coming from. It's like he lives there because he's saying, if all of you speak in tongues, so if you are worshipping together and one is speaking in Mexican, one is speaking in Nigerian, one is speaking in uh, Zulu, Ndebele, Shona. Imagine how it would be in, in Edbury and Reformed Baptist Church. We, we go one morning together on a Sunday. And... Felix stands up to lead the congregation in worship and he starts speaking in Sutu. Then there's a responsive prayer in Malawian or Nyanja or Chewa or whatever it is. Paul is saying, won't unbelievers think we're out of our minds? Won't, and, and, and dear friends, it is there that I anchor on this truth, that I believe that charismaticism is hindering people from coming to God based on this text especially men 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 see the hoax and they say surely this can't be God when they go outside and they stand outside of a church whether it's Harvest House or UFIC and people are just going on and on and on you know have you ever interacted with men in the world <laughs> They'll tell you these, these people are, are, are playing with us. I'd rather spend my time at the bar. 
cannot chase money in Dofa, no go chase a man. Because of, of exactly what Paul is saying. He's saying that the whole church comes together. This there's no authenticity. And everyone speaks in tongues. When unbelievers come, you've invited someone to church. You're coming with them and everyone is just doing gibberish. Those with their head on over their shoulder, they'll say, no. <laughs> I can't come back here. Doesn't make sense. I can't hear what you're saying. Thirdly, I would say this very quickly. The danger of gibberish or these tongues is that they could show, they could show an unregenerate heart. Where am I taking this from? Listen to Matthew 7 verse 21 to 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. On that day, this, this is the, the, the great day of the Lord Jesus Christ. Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not, number one, prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? And do many mighty works. And in that category, I'll put the tongues that people like to refer to. Did we not do any mighty work, many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. And the point here is that when you look at this whole tongues phenomenon, there are so many people that are obsessed with the gifts and not wanting to please God. There are so many people who want the benefits of God and not God himself. If you engage with a charismatic who speaks in tongues and you ask them, how is your devotion to the Lord? Uh, you know, ask them about basic theology. They don't know anything. They just will tell you about tongues, give utterances. Let's speak in the tongues of angels. You're not, spe you're not having faith in your own faith. You're not having enough faith. It, 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 there's no substance. Yeah. So there's a worry there that it could show an unregenerate heart. That where these people are, there is a likelihood that the majority of them are unconverted. There's a likelihood that a majority of them are on their way to hell. And this is why we should preach the, the word to them. If this is why we should tackle this thing head on because people say oh this is a secondary issue just preach the gospel the gospel hinges on this to say what is your understanding of the truth of god's word what is your understanding of the truth of god the uh, the, the truth about god how do you understand these tongues we must be able to investigate some of these things, dear friends, as Christians, and really question from the Bible to say, why are you practicing this? Why are you obsessed with these gifts? If you engage with charismatics who are dogmatic about what they believe in, you will see that they are holding on for dear life. They will not, they will rather die than leave uh, these practices.
Many people want heaven without God. This is what Paul Washer says. Many people would want the benefits of God without God himself. And as you see, people emphasize the gift rather than the giver. They don't focus on God. There's no focus or any flashlight on God himself. It's what can I get from God? What can I benefit from God so that I am edified? And, 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 and friends, this must break our hearts. Whenever we go into town and we hear people in town, all oh, those beautiful buildings which Anasis Jane lease out. At the top tier or even in the middle tier, you just hear chatter, bubble, whatever. People are praying and doing all sorts of things. I don't even I don't even want to call it prayer, but you know, people are they are so energetic and it's and people think they're doing the right thing. But I'm saying God is saying, I will not be pleased by this. This is a stench to God. <clears throat> and God is merciful in that way. That still, even today, return to me. <laughs> even those people, even those people who uh, blaspheme and has blasphemed over the years, the, the Bible says to them, even today, return to me. And even us. And we must be at a place whereby we are besides ourselves, especially if we've got relatives who are in these places. And plead with them and beg with, and beg them and even walk alongside them and say, no, please, let, let us walk through the Bible. Let us pray together. I'm concerned for your soul. I'm concerned that you are in the wrong belief system. You are believing wrong. When you persist in this practice, of gibberish, I'm talking about gibberish. These tongues that people say they, they speak. It shows that you haven't understood the Bible. You think you have, but you haven't. But when you persist in gibberish, you are mocking God. And it's only a matter of time before he brings an end to your parade. And your clown fest. It's only a matter of time before you are humble. It's only... One day is one day. And, and we've seen it with false teachers, right? We've seen it with false prophets. We've seen it with all these people who speak in tongues. Whenever, and, and the way God works is that he usually humbles them through sickness and death. Whereby when somebody now is sick, the tongues that they said they would speak, the claiming that they would say they would claim, the the commanding the sickness to go like that that they would say they would do no longer works when you're on your deathbed and you're dying you've got a terminal illness god is saying your time is up but even there return to me even there you have done so many things but return to me this is the grace of our god let me give a practical application, dear friends. Practical application. And the, this practical application will summarize sort of like a statement of what at least 
we should believe or what we believe or at least what the preacher who's teaching here believes we thus believe that from the council of scripture tongues are not gibberish they're languages secondly we believe as a church that the gift of tongues as found in the holy scriptures was for the occasion and now has ceased with the death of the apostles and the closing of the canon of scripture tongues have ceased we know we do not need tongues today because the scriptures are plain and understandable and contain in them everything we need for faith and practice the tongues were there for the birth of the church the foundation of the church the church founded upon the apostles and prophets founded upon uh, the lord jesus christ that was what the tongues were there for and if, if you read the letter apostles uh, the letter epistles in your bible the letter epistles are first and second timothy first and second john etc etc you don't see any mention of tongues it's interesting that the tongues are mentioned in a narrative in a book that is full of narratives because acts is a narrative book it narrates the birth of the church and what took place all the way to acts 28 and when you go to the epistles the letter epistles you see that the apostles are now concentrating on practical christian living and imperatives so they show you what god has done if you read romans if you read ephesians if you read philippians they show you what god has done first few chapters last few chapters so in light of what god has done how are you to conduct yourself you see so that's how it is and you don't see them talking about theatrics it's almost as if the the, the tongues are no longer a thing even though the apostle paul says i speak tongues better than any of you that's what he says in first uh, first corinthians you know but he does not labor to do so in the other epistles tongues we don't need them dear friends you are free from that don't be guilty if you can't speak in tongues don't be guilty to say, ah, you know what, I'm, I feel like I'm missing out. I, I can't speak in other languages. I need, I need this gift. I want to be able to utter things to God. <laughs> the, 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 you, you mustn't feel guilty about that. And you mustn't feel guilty that you can't speak the language of the people of the Amazon jungle. <laughs> yes, you can learn it. You can go and learn it. You can go and preach the gospel to them if you want. You're free to do so. God has given us all the resources. You can learn French. You can go to Paris and become a missionary there. That's fine. But what we're talking about is that do not feel guilty because somehow the pressures of the charismatics and even the open but closed crowd, because there are people in the open but closed crowd 
who are friends of ours who tell you all these amazing stories and tell you, no, 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 God gave me utterance. I went to a village in, 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 in Binga. I went to a village in Matonga land. And whilst I was there, I began to speak Tonga. We say, who was there to interpret? Who was there to understand what you're saying? As Paul says, someone speaks in tongues. I want to close with a quotation by St. Augustine of Hippo, which I found so beautiful. There was one by John Christosom, but I love Augustine's one. These are the early church fathers. In the first days, this, this is the early church. Friends, let's grasp this. These are people who, uh, if we were to say who saw amazing things, those were the guys. Not us. <laughs> Although we have got the sure word mm. of God. Mm. We have got the sure word of God, so we are in a better position than them. So, listen to this. In the first days of the whole... Uh, in the first days, the Holy Spirit fell upon believers. This is Augustine. And they spoke in tongues that they hadn't learned as the Spirit gave them to speak. These signs were appropriate for the time for it was necessary that the Holy Spirit be uh, signified thus in all tongues because the gospel of God was going to tra traverse all tongues throughout the earth. That was the sign that was given and it passed. Mm. St. Augustine of <laughs> so all you see, all these things you hear, dear friends, it's gibberish, it's illusion, Muguidiso. <laughs> Muguidiso. <laughs>